Welcome to episode 33 of the Raft Podcast. In this episode, Andrani and Alice continue their discussion about the day in the life of an advocate with our guests, Susan Shipman, the Executive Director at Second Chance, and Trace Fleming Trice, the Sexual Violence Program Director. Second Chance serves survivors of domestic and sexual violence in Anniston, Alabama. Enjoy the show. Trace and Susan, I'd like to shift now to talking about the day in the life of an advocate or leadership. So let's start first with where things have been at, the daily life, and then kind of how maybe things are different inside of this pandemic. Certainly I'm hearing, uh, Trace, from what you said, advocates being able to adapt so quickly from working at home. Trace or Susan, who would like to go and we'll, we'll talk about the day in the life. You know, it's so funny whenever anybody asks about, oh, can you tell us a typical day, you know, a typical day of an advocate when really there is no typical day with advocacy. There's just not. There's never that no day. Uh, is ever 100% the same as the day before. There's always some similarities, but there's no real same day. Um, For me, I'm very lucky we have, uh, our team is able to be flexible with our schedule about when we come in. And I am really good at working mid-morning until later in the afternoon. So I, I come in about nine in the morning and do a lot of check-ins with my team and I, and I checked to find out if we had any forensic exams the night before and we'll uh, check on that status and situation and see how our new uh, person is doing and find out more about the sexual assault case and, and see if, if they need any additional support that we can provide. And, um, and I check in with the advocate to make sure that they're all right. And then I, I spend time just doing a lot. I do a lot of networking every day, connecting with our, our various folks at our hospitals or I'll connect with our district attorney's offices. I chair our sexual assault response team. So that's kind of a daily activity for me or, you know, a very often weekly activity, just making sure that we're having enough things pulled together for each meeting. And then also we'll do a lot of work where like preparing for different community outreach events. Of course, April is sexual assault awareness month. So we, you know, we've just spent uh, since December planning different events and getting ready and and preparing. And now uh, with, with what's going on with COVID, everything is either postponed or it's having to be kind of changed on the fly. So thank goodness for advocate ingenuity and flexibility. But we have, you know, I have that opportunity and and we'll work also with doing different things with our uh, just projects with our support groups and and some of our other things like that of that nature. And then um, my folks will come in and out throughout the day and just kind of check in and let me know how they're doing. And then I also have a run a weekly support group at one of our local colleges. So I spend some time getting ready for that each week and 
that's kind of where it goes. Um, and of course, though, you have to be prepared for any kind of emergency that could pop up or unexpected uh, situation where someone pops in and says, uh, my favorite or when they, they pop in and with the, the truck of uh, like the 18 wheeler full of donations worth no notice and you have to scramble to figure out that plan or you know where all of a sudden you you may have three cases going on at the hospital and you have to make sure that everybody's you know ready to go and, and, and headed out or it just every day every day is an adventure and that's how I try to look at it is that you never get bored there's never any time to be bored <laughs> ever and there's never any time to um not be able to think on your feet. I will say in the last, uh, the last few years, I've, in particularly the last year, I, I've really worked hard at making sure that I, I go out in, in the sunshine for a little bit every day, or I'll um, make sure that I go and have lunch and not eat at my desk. I'll go and eat in the car. And I know maybe that's not the healthiest thing all the time, but it's one of those where it's just to have that 20 minute reset just to have 20 minutes of quiet to be able to rethink. And actually, and ever since um, Raft came to see Second Chance, one of the things that I've also found is really helpful is to try to do yoga nidra a couple times a week, just to be listening to a meditation at some point during the day too. So that that's a real help for me. And I think the last thing in my day is that I also participate a lot with Self-Care for Advocates, which is an online Facebook group. And that gives me a lot of peace and encouragement. So I, I connect a lot with them you know, just during the week and just to make sure that I'm feeling plugged into the movement without feeling overwhelmed by the movement. That's kind of my typical experience, I, I, would, I, I believe, if I, if I can think about it in a well-rounded kind of way. Trace, that is very well-rounded. I would say having worked in a shelter environment, you did a fantastic job of leaving all the emotion out of it. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, well done. I, 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 when you said that about the donations, I remember that. We, I'd be in the middle of, you know, a client's come in or they got the rock time or hotline call or someone needs to get a, a protection from abuse order. And then someone would show up so pleased and happy that they have this big donation. Yes. And we're in, the, we're in this tiny space and it was like, oh no, who's going to handle all this stuff that's sitting in the hallway? Right. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, let, let me say this too really fast. When I first started with, um, was, was like years ago working like in the shelter, I was the second, when I, worked at the Second Chance Shelter a million years ago. Uh, We had a day and our shelter director had not taken a day off in forever. And she said, I just need to take a day off. Is that okay? And I said, yes. And I was the second in command. I think it was 22, way too young in my, not to be ageist, but I was a young 22. Many 22 year olds are much older than, than I was at 22. But we had so much going on that day. But I walked in to the shelter. And I was like, I've got this. I can totally handle this today. I can be in charge. There won't be any problems. I've got this. And I never should have said that. 
because as soon as I did, we had case after case come in. I got a phone call from our administration office saying that a tour with the United Way was probably going to come in. And I walked into my office and there was a geyser of water coming up through the heating vent. It was just pouring through because a pipe had burst right underneath my office. And I remember calling Susan and going, what am I going to do? There's this tour that's about to happen and this is happening and the water is pouring all over the place. And she said, close your door, walk past your office quickly when they come on the tour and I will call a plumber. And I just remember going, yep, that, you know, think about that now and go, yeah, that's what our work is sometimes is you just, you, you close the door and somebody else has to call the plumber and you still give the tour and uh, you still handle everything to the best of your, your ability. What an adventure yeah. that day was too. That captures it. That's a, a, a yeah, water flowing out of a <laughs> heater. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Trace. Susan, from the executive director position, what would you like to share about a typical day? Generally speaking, there's not a dull day in the day in the life. There's always something. There's a grant deadline or um, there's a maintenance problem or there's always something. Our shelter buildings are older models. And so there's always something breaking like the water gushing in the office. And so uh, we have to be imaginative. And when I first started, we had to be particularly imaginative because we just didn't have a whole lot of money. I mean, we don't have a whole lot of money now, but um, we have more than we did then. And so the managing the money piece is a, a good deal of what I do. And I kind of like that because um, math is the same all the time. Math is always the same, but you know, people are different every time. And so the people piece of everything is the most challenging and, and that's staff and all of the participants in our programs as well. I, I do well to remember on a daily basis that our people, our staff have emotions and feelings and a majority of the people that work with us are um, survivors of uh, either or and uh, domestic and sexual violence. And so have our moments too when we're entangled in the lives of other people, of other participants in our program, survivors that are not at the stage of survivorship as we are. And so we can get triggered on some days and then on other days when we see the light come on in somebody's eye, it reminds us that that's why we suit up and show up every day is to adapt ourselves to each individual's where they are and help them get from where they are when they come in to where they think they want to be when they come out the other side. And the rewards there are just incredible. So the mundanity of, is that a word? Writing grants and doing revisions and doing the ask here and the disappointment there. And it's so worthwhile when we see that we are making a difference every single minute of every day. And that helps a lot. You know, that helps us get past that. I'm not sure I can do this today thing. And um, some days we have to take a mental health day and just back up 
and sit still and wait for that gratitude to come back, to, to know that, that we're not doing this alone. You know, Trace talked about the advocacy, uh, getting together with other advocates and having that cup of coffee and doing some check-ins because we're human just like the people that we're trying to help. And sometimes we put on our superhero capes when we walk out the door and, and, uh, and our capes get wrinkled and, and we need to remember that we're not all alone in this and that all we have to do is reach out. When we reach out and we tell somebody that we're having a, a moment, then it takes the power out of that moment and allows us to, to circle back and, and to get back in the right frame of mind to do what we do on a daily basis. Yes, thank you. And, and as, you're, as you're talking, Susan, I'm, I'm thinking, what's a couple of things that get in the way from advocates being able to do that, being able to take that breath, you know, being able to take those mental health moments. So I know you, you all are probably seeing that every day. So I'm just curious, what do you see that happens for them? And I, and I know this can be different for survivors and veterans that have been working there and the new people coming in. Everyone's kind of different stages. If I can think about why it can be difficult for some of our advocates to have that moment of being able to express how they're feeling. I talk to advocates from all over the world and, and, I, and some of them have really healthy organizations and some of them really have really excellent support systems in their work and then they have a lot of resilience and some just don't and also some have that resilience kind of chipped away at and I, I think that that can be really hard. I think some of us also kind of have this, and I, and I can speak for myself in this, is that idea of I need to do more, I need to do more, I need to do more. There's always one more thing to do, and it's really difficult to find a place to stop sometimes because it can feel so overwhelming. And I really take a lot of heart now and as I've, I've grown in my own self-care experience, I'll, I'll never say I'm a self-care expert ever. I am a self-care amateur at best, but I would say that, you know, it, it's coming to that moment of being able to be vulnerable enough and say, hey, you really have done a lot and you've done your share for today and that there are so many other advocates that enough where the work is big enough that we can all take a turn. And sometimes I think it's also important for when you have leadership say, hey, you did okay today. This is fine. Like, you know, we're, we're in the middle of some really big stuff in the work and just in a normal basis in advocate work, you know, DV, SV, advocate work, just on a normal, regular, non-pandemic moment, the work is great enough. Just letting us have moments to embrace our humanity go a long way. That's for sure. Yes, this pandemic definitely requires that we embrace our humanity, doesn't it, with ourselves and with each other? Absolutely. Susan? Always having that one more thing is, it seems to be an always, and knowing that we can put it down, uh, particularly on the administrative side of things. You know, we've got one more report to do or, or one more piece of data collection to input or the this or the that, and Oftentimes, those things will wait until tomorrow because they waited until today. And so we do have to prioritize 
I tell my people, you know, I need to know if there's blood or fire. You know, some days I have to back away from it and make it just that simple. And, you know, unless we're having an emergency, then I need a breather. I, I need a minute to step back. Uh, and it's important that we do that. Otherwise, uh, we're really no good to anybody. And there's always someone that needs us. And while that's rewarding to know that, we do still have to know that, that we need to, to step back. And, you know, with the, the pandemonium of the pandemic, there's been so much information flowing out from everywhere about everything, about human resources and about how we deal with this in our communal living situations. And the hospitals aren't allowing any visitors, so the uh, sexual assault uh, team, the members, they can't go in and, and be there in the hospital with a sexual assault victim. And, mm. you know, how, what's the workaround on that? How, how do we still provide services when we can't go into the hospital or when people are not making our phone ring uh, because they're afraid? You know, when a, when a victim of domestic violence is afraid that whatever they're walking into in our shelter is worse than what they've got going on at home. That's troublesome at best uh, because we, we know that sometimes it's life or death when a domestic violence victim has to make the choice between the uncertainty of what they might be walking into rather than you know, the certainty of what they know they're in now. You can have a pandemic plan in your policies, but until you're trying to make that pandemic plan, put it into action, you can't see the holes in the plan. And so that's been truly challenging to keep the fear at bay amongst the staff people that are still suiting up and showing up in our communal living, in our residence, uh, residential programs they're still coming in every day and some of us are working from home. And so we don't have to have that nagging fear in the back of our minds that, I, that I'm going to work today and I, I have to assume that everyone around me is um, infected. And so what do I do to protect myself? It's been quite the challenge thus far. And now we know that, um, you know, we're at least another 30 days in on this uh, social distancing. And so putting that plan in place that you never think you're going to need, it's complicated because it's, it's just not going to work like you laid it out one, two, three through 12. It's, it's just not going to work out that way. We've been, communication has been extremely important. And so we have been able to, as a group of staff people, do conference calls fairly regularly and hopefully to pull everybody off the ledge and let them know that if you're uncomfortable coming into work, then you can stay home. It's okay. Yeah. Thank you, Susan. It's not always hopefully that we're in the same position, right? As the survivors coming to us and suddenly we're kind of all experiencing the same thing. We know what it's like to be in the middle of a pandemic. Andrani, is there anything you'd like to share? Yes, I wanted to break in, but I admire and respect Susan and Trey so much, and I was being very silent. One of the things that I remember learning in one of the many classes that I took was that a person will 
give their agency away to their boss because then if something goes wrong, they don't have to take the blame. And when I say that, what I mean is this. If you have someone or if we have someone in a position of authority and they refuse to make hard decisions because they don't want to take the blame, we have two choices. We can start teaching in the moment or we can start writing notes to ourselves. Well, I love the way this person does 95% of work, but I sure do wish they would take initiative and not just wait for me. And I think as executives, we have this unique opportunity in front of us to see where the holes in decision-making are in a way that we have never seen before because we've always had time to wear 600 hats. But now we can only wear 550 hats. And so what's happening to the other 50? Uh, Trace and Susan, does this make any sense to you? Absolutely. You know, I think that we have the opportunity to assess ourselves in, in times when, when it's all on the line. And we learn a lot about the people around us, too, based on their reactions to huge things. And this is pretty huge. But then at the same time, we can learn the good things about the people that are around us and their strengths and draw on those strengths and, and prop up the things where we need a little extra help. And as uh, supervisors, it's daunting. It has been challenging. However, we're all still in. And so far, so good. That's a big deal. So far, so good. I love that. And 30 more days in, you get to learn about more strengths and to ask just like we ask our families and our loved ones to use their strengths, hopefully we all have together, we cover the strength gamut and we can pick on people to say, hey, so-and-so is really good with details. So why don't I go there and say, I have this stuff and it seems to be jumbled. Can you help me work it out? Because they love puzzles. And so we start cobbling together strengths in a way that we couldn't before because everyone was kind of siloed in a system that seemed to be working really well. And now that the system is tested and fragile and we can see where some of the cracks are, we can also see where some of those people that we, we wouldn't have thought of in another circumstance could come in and say, oh my gosh, I didn't know that you did this so well. Thank you so much. I really agree about that, and, and I think it's so important that supervisors in this time right now, and, and also I think after, I think, I think we have to be thinking about the, the now and the after, be really willing to embrace our own vulnerabilities and be able to, to have, like Susan said, you know, that moment of saying, hey, I, I need to step back. When we model that, when we show those where we're trying to lead that, it's so important just to be able to say, hey, I'm having a really hard time right now, or hey, I'm starting to 
feel the, the pressure of all of this right now. So I don't have an answer for your question right this minute, but I'll, if you can give me just a few minutes to think about it, then I can get back to you. And just getting that, those moments and, and, you know, and, and also for leadership to be asking questions, hey, do you have the bandwidth to be able to handle this thing I need you to do right this moment? Or do you have time in your day for us to, to meet and talk and just to check in and, and to have those moments when it's powerful. And plus, I think it's really against some of our norm that we've had for so long of the leaders always have to be the strong ones all the time. And, and they can't be the folks who show any weakness at all. And I, you know, I can't tell you, how, you know, and I, I joke with my people all the time and, and I just joke in general. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of crying in my car. Yeah, because you have to have a release and you have to you have to have it a moment of transition and, and to be able to like, okay, I'm, I'm going to cry for a minute and now I'm going to go ahead and still boss up and do it and whatever it is. But just to be able to express it like, hey, it's okay. Like I'll hold space for you right now and I'm not going to overburden you with what I need right now, but finding another outlet. So I've... I found a really good tool using social work supervision in the last few few weeks, too, of being able to debrief and, and go, okay, this is what's going on in my head, and do you have the bandwidth to take care of it? And, you know, just checking in with that and, and seeing where that goes. I think it's really critical right now. Yeah, and just as we were talking earlier about gratitude, for us to be able to say to people through our day, oh my gosh, thank you for doing that. That really, it relieved so much pressure. It may have been a minute or two on their part, but it released 30 minutes of pressure from you. And to be able to notice that, I have an an example that is so silly considering all the depth that we're going into here, but it's... um, Something that just happened in my home, I was feeling kind of like, oh my gosh, I wish somebody would cook something for me. And I went out to do something and I came back and there was food on the table. And it wasn't that I couldn't cook myself. I was just tired of it. And the food was there. I was so relieved. And we can feel those, it's like the pressure cooker, just like, oh, thank you for doing that, yes. And to say it out loud and to mean it and to, to show it with, with our whole body, that is really being present, I think, in a crisis. Thank you, Andrani. Yes, I think it is so, 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 so important to be acknowledging our teammates and how they're being helpful or great job on this or great job on that. That is something that is difficult for teams to do on a typical day. And in crisis situations, it's even more important to do it. And certainly um, DV and SV organizations are dealing with crisis on a day-to-day basis. And now with this pandemic, to give gratitude and celebrate your teammates can go easily by the wayside when we're handling a crisis, but in fact, that needs to be at the top. Andrani, uh, Trace, and Susan, is there anything else you'd like to add to this discussion? I feel myself, there's so many things. <laughs> I could sit for hours with all of you and discuss you know, what we can be doing to support advocates and, and all of that. So uh, I, you might be feeling the same way. But is there anything you'd like to add to this? 
Well, Alice, this is Indrani. I want to jump in and say thank you for waking up at seven o'clock this morning and helping me out with that virtual self-care workshop. You didn't have to do that. I threw it out and you came and Susan and Trace, I kind of threw her under the bus. In the middle of the first session, I said, hey, Alice, you want to help me teach this tool? And she jumped right in. And I knew she could teach it, but I didn't know she wanted to. But she did. She didn't say no. And Alice, that was so wonderful. It was so wonderful. I felt so connected to the work through you and that we could show up together and we could just riff. We could just riff. It was a joyful moment. And I know I said thank you, but I said thank you privately. So now I'm saying thank you publicly. You're very welcome, Andrani. I was happy to be there and be in that with you. So thank you, teammate, for the acknowledgement. I'm hearing that and I'm receiving that. Thank you. And talking about receiving, on that call, people were saying they couldn't take compliments, right? Can we talk about that? Trace and Susan, how do you teach your people to accept the goodness that they are doing? Do you find that that is a thing? It's definitely a thing. I know that for me, it, taking a compliment is difficult. And I see that in some of my people as well. And, um, you know, they bow their head like, yeah, well, okay, because that's what I was supposed to do. You know, being able to acknowledge that it may have been what you were supposed to do, but you did it and you did it well and you got it done. And so that that's just enormous. Um, I, I don't... I don't know why we're not good at, I guess it's humility that keeps us a little bit off kilter when someone tells us that we've done a good job and um, it's tough. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it is humility. And, and I think we're sometimes this is really a, a, a women dominated profession. And I think so often we're taught as little girls and we're taught, you know, as, as women that we're not supposed to accept the compliment or that it's like, oh, well, you know, like, well, yeah, thanks. But, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, all right. But the reality is, is that compliments feel good and, and acknowledgement feels good and it's okay and it's okay to accept the compliment and the acknowledgement and to be celebrated too. It doesn't make you an egotistical monster for, for wanting that at a girl or to hear from a supervisor, hey, yeah, I saw that and I really needed it and you provided it and I'm so grateful. And if we can just keep encouraging our, our folks, encouraging advocates to just feel like they can be celebrated too, I think that goes a long way. I think you're right. Yes. And while I agree that it is humility, I also think that humility has been weaponized against us. If we take the compliment, even if we compliment ourselves, wow, I did such a good job there. It is, oh, don't get too big for your britches. But I've never heard that said to a boy or a man. I've only heard that said to women and girls. And so I want to de-weaponize humility to give all of us in this work the opportunity to stand up and say, I've done a great job in this crisis. And thank you very much. I will take your compliment. Bring it on. <laughs> I like <Nice>. that. <laughs> yes, nice. 
Yes, receiving is an act of vulnerability. Amen, sister. It's a moment that we're being seen, right? And so to be seen can be uncomfortable. That can be a compliment. So, Andrani, I think at some point we might have to do a podcast about how to receive a, a compliment. I know that I struggled with that for many, many years and came up with my own tactics on how to be able to do that. And I can honestly say I have no problem receiving compliments. <laughs> so, um, but for a very decades, I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't know that that was a thing. I, I just, yeah. I never heard anyone else talk about it. And now I hear it pretty frequently. So I'm, I'm seeing the seed of a, of a podcast I think it's a good idea, Alice, and write that down, baby girl. Susan and Trace, we're rounding out our time together, and I want to say thank you again for coming on and sharing with us, and thank you as well for the work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much for having us. It's been really a great experience. Yes. Uh, w- wow. I, uh, I appreciate it. I feel way better than I did when I sat down at this desk today. Thank you. <laughs> This is Indrani. I like to put people on the spot when they say stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So when you sat down at the desk, can you give me one adjective that you felt and one adjective that you feel now? Definitely overwhelmed when I got here today. It's been a while since I've been at my desk and um, I am calmed. And we made you do work. So it's not like we sent you to a spa. I think a spa would actually be work for me. (laughs) (laughs) I hear (laughs) you. So sure many can relate to that. (laughs) Which brings us right back to you have to get facials. Yes. 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 Thank you all so much for being here to our audience that is listening to this. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being willing to hear about the day in the life. And no doubt this time... With COVID-19, we will look back on this and and listen to this podcast years from now and say, how did we get through this? But we did and know then that we are resilient. So thank you all. And uh, I wish you uh, all the best. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Alice. Thanks, Androni. Thank you. Thanks, Trace. Thanks, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Raft Podcast. You can email us at info at raftcares.org and anonymously share your own questions or challenging situations to be answered on the show. If you would like to learn more about our free trainings, send an email to info at raftcares.org. You can also sign up for our free advocate resources on our website. Click on the link for domestic and sexual violence advocates and be sure to look at the website for upcoming virtual training opportunities. If you have any questions, you can email our team at info at raftcares.org. We hope this podcast has been a source of support and comfort to you in the amazing work you do in this world. We see you.